Hey, this is Kelly from the Dolly Rocks. This is Joe Queer from the infamous Queers. Hey, Sweetie P. Martini. Hey, this is Indica Flowers. And you are listening to Our Brains Hurt. Our Brains Hurt. Our Brains Hurt. Losers. Well, they needed a jingle for their stupid little show, so they caught up the Jasons and we said, oh, no. Then they caught us again and they gave us 20 bucks and we wrote them a song that said, Your podcast sucks. Then they gave us more money and they asked us really nice and we finally gave in and we said, All right, I'll write you a song, but it's gonna be a clone of a screeching weasel song that we heard a while ago. So we wrote them a jingle and it sounded really great. It was the best little jingle that their podcast ever had, but the file got corrupted and the email didn't work. Now they're stuck without a jingle singing, I'll This episode of Our Brains Hurt is brought to you by Punkbox. Head over to punkboxrocks.com, that's punkboxrox.com, and sign up for a monthly punk rock merch subscription service. It's an awesome gift for yourself and an awesome gift for other punk rockers in your lives. Every month, you'll get a surprise box in the mail with random items that you would normally find at a punk rock merch table that could include stickers, button patches, koozies, CDs, vinyl, uh, shot glasses, all sorts of cool shit delivered to your house once a month that's punkboxrocks.com punkboxrox.com this show is also brought to you by merch slut merch slut has incredible awesome badass band t-shirts that she gets directly from the band or the label these are official t-shirts not knockoffs head over to merchslut.com check those out and check out her awesome array of other rad punk rock merch now let's get to the show oh what you got there that looks mighty almost pumpkin colored maybe yeah quite possible master of pumpkins oh look at you go trogues which is my favorite pumpkin beer which wasn't uh in the stores last week so oh well cool but it is now i am fresh out of pumpkin beer yeah moving on i'm almost pumpkined out by now i'm waiting for mad elf to hit the shelves <laughs> yes. oh it's almost mad elf season oh it is i already got the email from trogue saying that they released it i'm just waiting for it to pop in the stores <laughs> for me yeah. it's a it's a margie tuesday nice margarita in a can nice because i'm a classy bitch margaritas are the best fucking mixed drinks i don't care what everybody else has to say <laughs> i especially like the giant ones that the there's a mexican restaurant here in oh hell yeah called um el pino well technically it's in spotsylvania but gotcha. uh, just down route three a little way and they got margaritas there that are like in fish bowls basically they're huge they're hard to finish they're so big <laughs> i drink margaritas like it's lemonade i could just chug them <laughs> and it's dangerous to do that but it's so good tequila has for whatever reason become my favorite liquor over the years tequila used to be the only one i could take because I, I hate the taste of rum and i still do i cannot drink rum <laughs> uh, i don't know what it is i just don't i just can't do it vodka has to be mixed with something um but tequila and bourbon i could drink straight up i also like gin a lot yeah i used to drink a lot of gin too so just i mean it depends like that you know the new school gins have changed the game and they're really good yeah, I used to have always have a thing of beef eater in my 
cabinet. Old school. You know, when Hendrix shit puts hair on your chest. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like in, um, God, what's the old Marilyn Monroe movie? Um, it might be The Misfits, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's The Misfits or not, but there's like this dude that's like trying to convince her to like basically like stay at his house for some reason. Mm-hmm. And he like pours her a glass of gin and it's like a fucking dinner glass. <laughs> I, I laugh every time I see that part in that movie because I'm just like, oh, yeah. that's like, that's how they used to drink gin back in the day. It's like, oh, yeah. whatever, just give him a pint of gin. He'll be give good. Give a pint of gin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tonight we are talking to Rob from Ann Beretta. That's correct. And Scott from DCPC Records. They just put out the most recent Ann Beretta live album. Yeah, it's acoustic live. Yeah, which uh, Ann Beretta had this really, really kick-ass acoustic album like back in the day. Well, I guess you know it still exists, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I used to rock that a ton. It was like early, early two thousands. They put out this really, really fucking great acoustic album. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody listening has probably heard of Ann Beretta. Yeah, um, Virginia staple. Represent. What's RBA. up? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but also Scott's label puts out live records only, which is right up my fucking alley. So that's cool. Definitely pick his brain on that. Yeah, that's real cool. Which is kind of genius because you you don't have to deal with all the fucking recording costs and shit. You love you love live records, huh? Oh, I love what yeah. Swing- that's my go to. <laughs> Swinger was real big into live records too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he loved yeah. live records. Some hit they're hit or miss with me. Yeah. There's some. I mean, some are really bad, and those are even yeah. for me are tough to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the really bad ones always are just like yeah. like, like all the um the evil live that the yeah that's did. Oh man, they're so bad. <laughs> oh, those are yeah. It sounds like they're like there's like a a blanket covering all their shit. Yeah, like, it's it's bad. Like yeah. being a band like the Misfits and having like endless money. <laughs> Why is that what you decided (laughs) to put out? Yeah. (laughs) Like you guys couldn't bring in a production team (laughs) to like, because like, I bet you money I could do better than those albums. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Hands down. And you would just record them on zoom and it'd be better. Yeah. And you wouldn't have to (laughs) have a whole production team and like thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Um, there's definitely going to be a live album on my top five for the year for this year. Oh, really? I don't want to give it away, but there are three letters involved, and they're R, K, and L. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott's in the rating. I'll wait till I'll wait a couple more minutes to see if when Rob can. See. Well, I mean, you can let him in. I. All right. What's up, people? What's up? Hey, what's man. Up? What's up? How we all doing? Good, man. You. you Usually it takes like a few minutes for people to like get get the audio right and shit and yeah, your zoom literate right in. No, yeah, no, I I I'm literally I've been a middle school teacher for the last decade. I've I've zoomed like a zoomy. Yeah. Oh, nice. I I I, I, I I I know how to zoom. Are you down in Florida? I am. I am. I'm. I live in Florida for the last 14 years, and I'm done. So I, I'm cool. I'm DC born and bred, and uh, I'm looking at getting like yeah, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they, I, I say I'm from DC so often. My bandmates used to call me Scott from DC whenever I would. It's like, hey, this is Scott. He's from DC. 
<laughs> I wonder if we ever crossed paths at times. I don't know. Like, I mean, I uh, sure. ni- early nineties uh, into the like late two mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. You know, sidebar oh, yeah. in Baltimore, Auto Bar, The Loft, uh, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Black Cat, Nine Thirty Club, uh, The Loft. Oh my God, The Loft. Right? That place. We all have hepatitis. Anybody who just stepped foot into that place. <laughs> Matt, were you ever at The Loft? I believe it was so. in Baltimore. I think I, I think I went there one time. Oh, the fucking loft! Oh, I haven't heard that. It was such a, a shithole, though, right? <laughs> but I saw so many great fucking shows there. Yeah, I remember. I saw Dropkick Murphys there. Yes. Um, and I don't know how they ended up there because the next night they were playing the Nine Thirty Club. But um, there was like twelve people. That that's there. the weird, crazy shit. Like I remember it was like ninety nine or something. And my bandit got offered a show to play with Anti-Flag and Following Molly at the sidebar. And the sidebar mm-hmm. is literally like it fits 150 people. Yeah. And my yeah, bass player was like, no, I can't. It's like, I, I'm a Flyers fan and they're in the playoffs, so I can't. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, dude. And I went to the show and it was so packed that I like literally had like one foot outside the door as I was trying to watch the show from inside. I'm like, I could have played that. Yeah. I could have played that. Damn. It's fine. Yeah, the side. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You, you see that there's a campaign to save the sidebar uh, right now. I have played at least three save the sidebar shows in my life. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I am fully aware of the sidebar's lack of uh, stick to itness. I almost bought it in 2004 <laughs> myself, actually. Nice. <laughs> hey, Rob. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Rob? What's Sorry up? for being a little late. Oh no, worries, man. No, no worries. yeah. <laughs> just uh catching up talking about some old names of uh, venues in the area yeah oh, the loft in baltimore which i haven't heard of in a, man yeah. oh i remember the loft. Right? remember the loft yeah yeah we're all we're all pretty much from the same area oh, yeah, we so. start talking old stuff and twist like how about twisters in richmond right oh yeah, yeah. twisters yeah. nancy reagan oh yeah. yeah it'll it'll always be twisters to me yeah yeah yeah. I remember that the loft, there was that you had to go upstairs to go to the bathroom. And I remember my friend went up and he like felt his one of his legs like fell through the floor, like came through the ceiling yeah. or whatever. I, I saw the goons <laughs> there a couple times and I was like, I love you, sir. The go- yeah, the, the goons opened for Dropkick Murphy's that show yep. I saw. That, I was like, which was Serge, you're just a little too big to jump around that much in this place. Yeah. And he would be rolling all over the floor yeah. and get up all muddy and shit. <laughs> Um, all right, so Scott, you're down in Florida. Rob, you're in Richmond, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That's What's Amberetta been up to as of late? Playing a handful of shows here and there. You know, we uh, we just did a did the weekend with um, Anti Flag. Nice. Good time. You know, it's good to see those guys again. It's been way too long. Um, shows were really fun. So, so yeah, we you know we put out a new record early in the year, and um, we're about to release or just release. I forget the date of the uh, new live record with Scott here. So, um, you know, just doing a lot of promo and um, yeah, playing shows when we can, we're getting ready to go to fest and that'll, that'll kind of wrap the year up for us. Nice. Oh yeah. Got, uh, gotta say that your new record, not, uh, not the Scott one, but Fine. <laughs> earlier this year, <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty great, man. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate Rise that. is great. It's, yeah, it's definitely on my list that I'm having to go through to pick our top five when we do that episode in December. Oh, awesome! Thank you. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it I, was it was a uh, it was a good time making that one. You know, we um, it took us a long time to get to that record to just be able to write songs that we were comfortable putting out to the world. You know, we I think we put a lot of pressure. I know I did put a lot of pressure on myself as we were 
trying to make new records, trying to write new songs and just thinking like it has to be, it had to be something big or something better or something greater than we had done before. And I think we just put way too much pressure on ourselves, and it took us, took us many years to get to the point of having those songs together. But the, the songs on that record, they all came, they all came to us in a, in about two, three weeks, you know, it was just really kind of right time, right place being in, I guess, inspired and impacted by the pandemic and all the, all the things that were, we were all going through and kind of witnessing in that moment. So, um, yeah, yeah, those songs just kind of just all came out really quickly and, and the whole, the whole process was very different. You know, we, we very much have always been a, a band that we wrote songs in the practice space. You know, we just, someone brought in an idea or riff or a beat or something, and um, we would make something out of that. But, you know, this record was really done I, I guess a lot of bands are doing doing it this way, you know, especially with members kind of spread out across the country or world at this point. But, you know, I did it. I demoed on my laptop and passed files around to the other guys and they would add some stuff to it. And um, it was really interesting because we we'd never played the songs live until we actually had to start rehearsing to play shows. And then it was it was a really odd kind of experience in those moments, just like, OK, having to figure out like what parts do we play? You know, how do, how close to the record does it have to be? Or, or, you know, oh shit, now that we're trying to play this together or I'm trying to sing and play at the same time, these songs that I didn't write in that way, you know, I didn't write them yeah. singing along to like an acoustic guitar, just strumming along in a practice space or whatever. So it was, it was kind of like we had to relearn everything and and kind of build new muscles to play those songs live. So it was pretty fun. That's awesome. That's cool. How long was the actual recording process? Um, it was a long time. Like um, when we made the record, we decided very intentionally that we just wanted to go back to our roots and do it all ourselves. You know, no pressure from a label or no like schedule, you know, no deadlines to meet. And so, you know, one of the guys in the band has a studio at his house and he, he went to engineering school. He's like really great at it. Um, and so we just, we would go in a few hours here and there and, you know, it took us, it took us about six, almost eight months to finish it, mm-hmm. start to finish. But, you know, it was a few hours here and there. It, yeah. I think, I think the most we spent, I spent about a week in a week in the studio with him just to get the basic tracks done originally, like just to get basic structures kind of laid down. And, um, and then I would just go in and like knock a song out, you know, on vocals, like one a week or something. And, you know, we just start building around that and doing a little bit here and there, but it, it took a long time, but I, I'm glad we did it that way. Like it, it just freed us up to explore and kind of get a little more creative in the studio. I think we use the studio more as a uh, kind of a, a fifth member or a fifth mm-hmm. instrument, you know, in, in ways that we hadn't done in the past. So it was really fun. Yeah. That must be awesome to have like no time restraint. Yeah, I mean the freedom there. It was it it was great until it got to a point where it was almost like paralyzing. You know, I found myself, yeah. I think we all did of just like, okay, what if we did this? What if we mm-hmm. do that? What yeah, if we do true. this in here? Or what if we move this part to that? Or you know, we just it finally got to a point where I was like, okay, this is we're done. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. And there were still things that I wish we had done maybe I think anyone that makes a record I don't care how good you are, how much oh, money yeah. you spend on it. You're always going to pick it apart later and be like, oh, I wish we had done that different or I sang yeah. that better or, or what have you. Um, but I, that's all part of the process, you know? So I, I, I'm super happy with the record. I think it's the best thing. It, 
every you always say that about your new record but i truly think it's the best thing that we've ever yeah. done and you know it's it's been really interesting too in the sense that because we just kind of took all that pressure off of ourselves and because we we're just really doing it all ourselves um we weren't really expecting much out of it you know mm -hmm. i at one point i was i was willing to just give it away for free just so people would hear it um and and you know i think maybe right time, right place for us or, or what have you. But, um, you know, radio stations started picking up the singles and, um, you know, serious radios faction is playing the single a lot. And nice. I think it, getting some reports, like we had, you know, a top 10 record on like college charts on the East coast and top nice. three single on, on a few of the stations, you know, so it was super cool. And just, it all just kind of happened without us really putting a lot of effort into that whole like part of it, you know, cause usually you would have a label or a publicist or someone doing that for you. And right. we just kind of put it out there and didn't promote the record for six months before it came out. Didn't, you know, shoot videos and everything before it came out. We just, mm -hmm. I just wanted to get it out, you know, so it, it legitimately, we finished recording it, I think in December and or January, uh, December, it was mastered in January and it came out in February, you know, it was nice. just, let's yeah. get it out there and let's, you know, let people hear it. That's that's kind of funny that you say that because that's like kind of how I learned about it. It wasn't even I didn't even know it came out. Um, I I guest host this other podcast sometimes that's based in Richmond, and uh, the guy who runs it had hit me up and was like, "Hey, do you want to guest host this one episode I'm doing with one of the dudes from uh, Ann Beretta, and he's in this other band called Shot Clock, which would be oh sure, Pedro, dude, yeah. you were just talking about Pedro, yeah, who records you guys." Um, and he was like, yeah, Amberetta has a new album out. And I was like, what? Amberetta has a new album out? <laughs> and he was like, hell yeah. And so I, and then I immediately checked it out and was like, yeah. wow, this is really good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't even hear a word one about it up until that point. Yeah. We just kind of quietly threw it out there and, you know, just let it all happen. And that's awesome that it's, yeah, but again, it was like, like we just kind of, you know, we hadn't put a record out in almost, it was like 18 years. We hadn't put a record out in close to two decades. So we were like, I mean, in my mind, we were forgotten, you know? And so if five or 10 people heard the record and loved it, that was awesome. If, you know, a few thousand people heard it, loved it, that was even better, but um, did no expectations going into it. You know, we just, it was something, you know, again, it was like, I finally felt like I had something to say and something to write about. And the band kind of rallied around that and, we we just wanted to get it out there so it it wasn't it wasn't as important you know as it might have been at one point of like how many records are we going to sell and how many people are going to hear this and how many people are going to buy tickets to the shows like that stuff is that stuff starts to feel more like work and that's you know ultimately why we stopped touring and stopped really being a band for a while uh, in the early 2000s just because of the toll it all took on us uh, you know for i think six or eight years we were touring out like 10 months out of the year and that just gets exhausting, you know, and I think we just worked ourselves to death and yeah. forgot what it was like to have fun. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I guess it showed because like yeah. organically doing what it did, like, you know, that means there's heart in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there isn't, so. you know, for so. other albums, but that's sure. just how that yeah. works. But to, to say yeah. that people forgot you, it actually reminds me of a story about five or six years ago. I was at a bar in here, Florida called Wally's Liquor Store. It's very famous. And a friend of mine was introducing me to someone. I was like, yeah, I'm old DC hardcore kid. But I go to shows Richmond, Baltimore. I was like, yeah, prove it. And I was like, Beretta? <laughs> He's like, 
Wow. <laughs> like that was his test. That was his test. Oh, wow. That proved whether I was actually part of the DC, Virginia, Maryland awesome. scene was if I could finish that name. Oh, that's cool. So I was like, yeah. That's awesome. Duh. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of like a lot of bands are, you know, uh, starting to do their own thing, like put their own shit out and kind of like, and even like the recording process, you said you have a band member who's who does that. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in a band with a band member who has a studio too. And it's like the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Um, now, like, Scott, I know you run a record label, and I don't want to say that record labels are becoming obsolete. Um, I, I like to think you, that my model kind of have a, is, is different. Yeah. I was going to say you have kind of like a niche. You have like a, you do live records, which I personally love live records. Like whenever I'm checking out a band on Spotify or whatever, the first thing I do is I see if they have a live record. You're, 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 you're um, like my best friend. Like, um, yeah, yeah. My first punk album was <laughs> really the first gig, right? I, <laughs> I I got a copy of a suicidal tendency album for Christmas I already had. I took it to Kemp Mill and the dude gave me Circle Jerks gig. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And every other Circle Jerks album was always paled in comparison. My first mm-hmm. exploited was live at the White House. My first agnostic front was live at CBGB's. I think Ramon's Local Live is their best album. So like I oh, just yeah. love live albums. Yeah. And my partner and I, we used to book shows here in Orlando. And then the pandemic happens. We said, okay, we'll do live streams. We'll, we'll give it a whirl. And we did it. Our mm-hmm. buddy Danger Room Studios, uh, Giant Warehouse Studio. By Giant Warehouse, I really mean a place with no air conditioning, no plumbing, and no bathrooms. And uh, <laughs> and we did the live stream there. And it's like a banquet of, like place for the bagel place he works. So there's a lot of like weird things in the background. And I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and put this out. I remember those old VML records from the 90s that I just loved to death as a kid. So we're going to put it out, split seven inch. We'll see what happens. And then I was like, okay, that actually went pretty well. Okay, we made some mistakes, but I figured it out. And then we put out a second album that was a benefit for a local venue called Uncle Lou's. It's like Save the Sidebar, Save Uncle Lou's. And we put that out and it sold out. And then we put out like two more live albums. And that was last year. Then come around this year and I'm like, oh, I had an album come out in May, but now I have like six albums coming out this fall. Like every two weeks I have an album coming out plus my own band's album. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? But mm-hmm. I don't sign bands. It's a one-off deal. And, and as Rob will tell right. you, it's, it's fairly DIY. There's no contract involved. I I, yeah. I tell the bands, and in most cases, I'm like, if, if, you have, if you're like Rob and you already have a recording, that's awesome. But I have a lot of people come down here, and the guy at Danger Room will go out to Uncle Lou's and record you. I pay for the recording. I pay for a majority of the mixing and mastering. I press the entire record. If you want mm-hmm. copies to sell, fine. Pay for some copies at cost. I pay for up to a certain amount of promo on my own because I'm promoting my label. And then anything after that, mm-hmm. you can add on, but like, it's, 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 a, it's about taking a capturing a moment of the scene. It's about, right. it's not always about having the most popular band in the world. It's like going, I enjoy this band or even more. Sometimes I just enjoy the person and I want to document this moment in history, very discord esque, right? I just want to mm-hmm. document this happened. And, yeah. and who knows when you'll land that like one like epic live performance that people talk about yep. for years. Well, know? I'm putting out the Goons live album from 1998 at the Black Cat. That one's coming oh, yeah. out in November and we're going to have a Goons reunion show. You're the first people to hear about it in December. Oh, wow. Awesome. At okay. the Black Cat. So. Oh, shit. Nice. So, so how did the two of you guys get hooked up for this specific record? I had nothing to do with it. I, I, I saw <laughs> I saw he had some live <laughs> albums on Bandcamp and I looked at it and I said, okay shot in the dark 
I'm going to email Rob and say, Rob, we've never met. I've seen your band play. We probably know some people in common, but I'm not going to name drop shit. But this is what I do. Would you be interested? And he said yes. And I mean, what an honor it is that he trusted a guy he's never met to put out something that I think is really important to him and the band. And he has been extremely gracious and helpful. And I'm, I'm very honored to be able to put this album out. Yeah, likewise. It's been, it's been awesome. It's been fun. Um, I think it, the idea of the label just resonated with me personally. You know, like I said, we wanted to just go back to our DIY roots. And, you know, as Scott and I were talking about it, like, truthfully, I, I don't think I ever shared this with him, but I was worried that here that here's this guy reaching out to me to put out a record and he's going to sink his money into doing this and shit man are people going to buy it like i don't know like so i was worried that like he'd lose his you know arm and a leg on this record but but in that i was like cool let me take some of the some of the load off and we started thinking about like you know again diy our roots like we were silk screening patches and t-shirts in my house so mm-hmm. You know, I went and I went to art school. So I was like, okay, cool. What can we do? I'd done like screen printed covers for test pressings before for other records. And I was like, it'd be cool if, okay, 200, I think I can print 200 covers. I can hand paint some things on it and, you know, sign them and everyone will be different, you know, because just by the fact of doing it by hand. But that was a way for me to kind of invest in, in the record and maybe give the fans something slightly different than what, what they would have gotten otherwise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been super fun and yeah. casual and low key. And like you said, like no, you know, no contracts, no nothing. Um, you know, again, it was just very old school. You know, like we were, I think in the 90s, you know, it was it was part of what you did coming up as a band. You know, you you if you were lucky enough to have someone who wanted to put your record out, there was no contract, there was no like royalties or anything. It was we're gonna release however many hundred records and you can have 10%. That's your payment. Yep. Or you can have like a percentage, a certain number of records, and that's your payment. And I think Scott was, I I forgot what we even agreed to when he was sending me some records. And I was like, whoa, man, that's way too much. Keep half of that, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just been totally chill, casual. And I, I, I think it's a great record. I do think it captures a moment like in our history of something that we we really only had the opportunity to do once. And I think, you know, we were smart enough to record it and multi-track it so we could mix it and try to do something with it so um when's, when's it all, it all just from? happened you know right right place right time i think when's, when's that show from uh 2018 we face to face was doing an acoustic tour and they came through richmond um and asked us to play and we had been you know i'd been doing like solo records and singer songwriter stuff in the past um and so we saw it as an opportunity yeah, we had done acoustic shows. We used to do one every Christmas when we were more active, you know, as kind of like a, just a hometown thing that we would do as a full band, but it was just the three of us or the four of us, depending on the lineup at the time. And so it just, it was a great opportunity for us to kind of meld the two projects because even in my solo stuff, it was the same band backing me up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were just playing different music, but I I wasn't necessarily interested in playing with new people. Um but we would introduce like we would bring in more people to play on that. So we'd have like fiddle players or, um, you know, pedal steel or, you know, it was a little more Americana, like alt rock stuff. So mm-hmm. we just thought like, OK, well, let's take these Amberetta songs and apply that model to it. And let's have like six or seven of us on the stage and playing different instruments and 
we'll slow things down or we'll just kind of reimagine the song. And um, it was just super cool, super fun, you know? And so we recorded that and um, again, yeah, again. So like when we were preparing to put out rise, I wanted to make sure the catalog, cause we own our full catalog, especially with like lookout um, going under, you know, years ago and um, or ending, however you want to put that. But um, so, but I'd kind of forgotten about our catalog and even like, thinking again just thinking that people had forgotten about us or not wanted to hear anything I didn't really keep it online or, or on streaming services so as part of kind of the relaunch of the band and kind of reintroduction to the band and getting the catalog out we started putting out anything that I had so it was demos we just throw out there you know why not live recordings we put them out there um and so that's you know again that's how Scott found us so that was this was just one of those things we thought I think for I think what with this record, we even like we didn't charge people for it on, on Bandcamp. We launched it first on Bandcamp and I think we gave it away free for a weekend just to like get people excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then it was probably a few months later that Scott reached out to us. Um, so, Rob, did you grow up in Richmond? Are you like born and raised in Richmond? Yeah. Yeah. What are your, some of your like earlier memories of getting into punk rock? Do you remember the scene back in the day when you were growing up? And, you know, what are some yeah, of the first yeah. bands you kind of fell in love with? Well, I think I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to like punk rock, you know, like mm -hmm. I was, I was always, I kind of, you know, I grew up, I'm a kid of the eighties. I grew up, you know, listening to the radio and mm -hmm. it was, it was, um, you know, the era of like pop music and new wave and stuff, but you could hear like Mellencamp and then Blondie and then the clash and then mm -hmm. Springsteen and then the Ramones. And then maybe there'd be a Led Zeppelin thrown in there or something, right. you know? And so I was always like a huge fan of, I think, just like pop music in general. Um, and then as getting into high school and into my, you know, teenage years, really started getting into kind of the the early days of like 120 minutes on on MTV. That introduced me to yeah, a lot yeah. of like alternative music. Um, and so probably, I think it was probably like, I was, again, late bloomer. I was probably like 16. I had my driver's license. I grew up in the burbs, kind of out in the country. So mm -hmm. um it wasn't until I could drive myself that I could actually get to the city and kind of sneak into the city on the weekends. And um, it was pretty common twisters as we were talking about earlier, like they would have Sunday matinee shows. And so that's, that's how I was introduced to like local bands or touring like regional bands. Um, it's where I made all of my best friends. You know, I was, you know, friends that I still have to this day, like bandmates that I, I mm -hmm. still play music with to this day um people like thomas from strike anywhere who i was you know in a band with um band inquisition in and um great band you know so yeah. it was it was just cool like that was just a great way to kind of come up in kind of my later teen years um first bands like i can remember i can remember seeing the descendants at twisters you know on a sunday matinee or whatever <laughs> matinee it was um i think that was that was one of the first bands i really remember that was kind of a more well-known and national band guar was big in richmond even back yeah. then. Um, i'm going to see him tomorrow night <laughs> that's awesome yeah. yeah you know i mean and they as as i kind of a few years later when i moved into the fan and uh was going to college at vcu they're all guars they're all art school kids that mm -hmm. started a band as a way to just you know that creativity and kind of the theatrics of it um so it was richmond's a small town you know you get to know people and it's here's these guys in this band that you think like okay they're like they're famous they're in a band i've seen them play at sold out shows at the club or whatever yeah. um 
but they were just dudes hanging out just like everybody else. And, you know, and then they would, um, you know, people that I lived in the dorms with suddenly were like, oh yeah, I'm going to start working for this band Guar. Have you heard of them? And it's like, okay, cool. So they were like reaching out to the art school that they came from to like, you know, bring kind of new creativity into the band or like work as part of the crew or be one of the slaves or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was super cool. So I, I don't really, I can't really recall too many bands that like by name, you know, I, mm-hmm. I remember some random, you know, again, kind of regional or local bands that would yeah. come through, but um, definitely saw the Descendants, you know, the Replacements, um, Black Flag, mm-hmm. you know, kind of got to see a lot of those bands maybe in their prime, like in the, you know, late, late eighties, mid to late eighties, Yeah, you know, when I was in high school and stuff. So cool cool stuff yeah yeah man scott what about you I, you grew up in this area as well like who you yeah, I, yeah. I, I grew up in uh fairfax from like basically high school there and um i'm a couple years younger than rob but like you know for instance like local bands like the suspects were one of the first mm-hmm. local bands i ever saw and and they, they they just blew my mind i was like oh there actually are like bands that do this now. It's not just the bands that are like, I've been buying like old beer records. Like yes. there are actual like local bands that still play. Yeah. And um, I had two shows and I can't really remember which one came first that always stick out of my mind. One, I think it was in ninth grade. I went to go see Biohazard at the Rage in Baltimore and it had Sheer Terror, uh, Gridlock and Next Step Up opening. Next Step Up, and yes. And that, it was amazing. And the, and the Rage was a small, small, dingy place. And mm-hmm. I'm and I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever saw a Chelsea cut. And I just had no concept. And I guess the next step up would release a tape and they talked about their mom. And I was like, this is so fascinating to me. And then my very next show was to go see the Meat Men at the 930 Club, the old one, right? And there were two bands I never heard of opening up. So I sat outside and I decided not to bother with some bands I never heard of called Offspring and Pennywise. Um, and I was like, I'll wait for the Meat Men to come on, which by the way, the Meat Men was the album we gave away with Amberetics. I always give away a VML record that matches the volume. Oh, cool. And I managed to find a, since Rob signed all the albums, I found a Tesco V signed Meat Men album to give away. Nice. So, um, but yeah, like my, my whole life was just basically going to like local shows and you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy being up there because all ages, right? Like mm-hmm. I could hop on the Metro, I could go to shows. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would have started playing in bands at 16 if I didn't know that I could also play shows that easily. Right. Um, you know, I'm down here in Orlando now and I feel like the dearth of like young bands and their ability to play. There's a coffee shop here and there and there's a couple mm-hmm. of venues where they don't check ID, but they're technically not all ages. And I'm like, it's hard for you to become part of a scene if you can't right. really be a part of it in every way, if you're separated as audience and can't be a band or vice versa, right. like it's, I find that problematic. Yeah. Yeah. It is extremely problematic. Yeah. I mean, when Matt, Matt and I do uh, shows at the pie shop in DC, um, we do like a few a year and we always make sure it's all ages. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, there's so many, it's, it's funny because a lot of the people I see at shows, are like my, I'm 44. I was born in 77. Yeah. So like, it seems like it's the same kind of people. <laughs> Just like, it's not that many. It doesn't seem like there's that many young kids. Like when we were growing up, you know what I mean? It, it seemed like it was just so the whole um, scene was teenagers when we were growing up. Teenagers yeah. yeah. I used 20. to do shows at this place in Vienna called the Vienna teen center. There was 18 and under. And I'd bring like the profits down from Boston or Cholgas or two man advantage. Mm-hmm. And we would literally play an 18 and under show 
you weren't allowed in unless you were under 18, unless mm. you were in one of the bands. Um, my last tour, I just did a tour this summer with my band. We played the Quarry House in D.C. And I think it was all ages, mm. but there still weren't a lot of kids there. Yeah. Maybe some 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-olds, but no kids right. yeah i think i think like that's no just the state of the world or well maybe it should maybe it's not the whole world the state of our country nowadays yeah. and how you know people treat their kids now based you know versus how they treat their kids back then i think that's yeah pretty i mean much- i teach middle school and i have seven graders they can't walk to like go get yogurt down the street where i was hopping the metro <laughs> yeah, going right. downtown <laughs> right like so th- yeah. there's truth to that the uh one of the best clubs in Orlando, Will's Pub, I was talking to their owner. He's like, yeah, we used to have a car line for people to pick up their kids from shows in the 90s mm-hmm. because parents didn't mind dropping off their kids yeah. and coming back to get them. Yep. So I would, he's like, I would do all ages shows again. It's just, there's just, they don't come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting too. Like if you guys probably remember this, but like the way we found, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have right. social media. Yep. Right? Yeah. The only way that we were introduced to bands was by going to see them play. And just like you were talking about, Scott, like it didn't matter if you knew the bands on the bill, you just knew like this is where everyone was going to be and there was going to be something cool happening. Um, And I think just there's so much there's so much noise out there now because of social media. Like it's, you know, I knew if I was going to the the local matinee on Sunday at Twister's, the place only held 300 people, but there'd be 500 people trying to get in, you know. Um, And now it's, you know, the same club. It's like maybe 50 or hundred people to show up, you know, it's like, there's just so much out there. There's so much, right. there's too much out there. You know, it's like too accessible, too easy. So you don't really have to work as hard to find something new because you can just do a search on YouTube or on a streaming service. Right. Well, yeah. it, it, it's also on demand, right? It's like, yeah. you know, we're like, well, I would come out to your show, but I want to, you know, like it, it could be a Sunday matinee, but now someone's like, well, I'm going to watch the entire season of The Simpsons with Oz or The Wire or something like that because they can. Yeah. Or I'm just going to hop on YouTube and I'm going to watch like every anti-flag live video that I can watch instead of coming out to the show. Yeah. There is so much media you can get from your phone or from your home that you don't need to go anywhere anymore. But they're missing out. Like I always tell people that punk rock is less about the show. And more about the community and the people that I met Absolutely. and the connections that I made. Totally. And those are the things that I think have always made me a good teacher. My ability to like walk into a room and go, okay, how can I connect with these diverse groups of people? Mm-hmm. How can I understand them and relate to them? And how can I make them feel as comfortable as I want to feel? Yep. And yeah, yeah. It, it took the search for albums away too. Yeah. Like I, that, that was one of the most fun things for me in the nineties was like, I'd find out like, you know, through whatever it was a zine or word of mouth that somebody's album came out and i'm like i have to hear this and so it was either search for the album one which wasn't always accessible sometimes you had to go pretty far um you know and then number two when can i see them and that might be that might happen before i find the album yep now you hear an album comes out and in three seconds you're listening to it no matter where you are you would look through the thank you list of who they thank to go. Oh, those are bands I yep. should yes. buy if a band yep. thanks yeah. them. I, those are the bands that I need to buy. That right? is way overlooked today. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like that, overlooked. that was how yeah. I learned about yeah. bands. Like the thank you list was so crucial. Yep. Who should I listen to next? Yep. And flyers, like, you know, you go to shows and then like, and yeah. you're going to get a couple flyers from somebody else's band and then they're going to have other bands on the flyers and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. I miss it. 
well-designed flyers or kinkoed flyers, oh, yeah. you know, state law. <laughs> uh, all right. So th- yeah, that's the first negative. So we're old. We're Kinkos. old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you guys, um, whenever I talk to somebody who's like from this area, that's been in the scene for a while, I have to ask if you guys remember the P tanks. I was, oh, yes, I was actually going to bring them up when you, oh, when cool. you mentioned the suspect, Scott, I was like, okay, well, so let's see, let's talk about the P tanks. Let's talk about <laughs> Lickety Split, which was Brian, yep. yeah, was the first Brian singer, yep. first singer of Avail, his band. Um, who else can we throw out there? Like the P tanks, man. We used to play with the P tanks all the time, and then the yeah. phones, um, yeah, yeah, Cabs, yeah, Positive yeah. State. There were so many great bands could, back then. Do you, you know, imagine then, if the P tanks did a reunion show? I would love it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're we're working on it. <laughs> we tried to make it happen. We did. <laughs> yeah, the P tanks are from my area, and I used to. I spent like a lot of my teen years or teen, like weekends, Fridays, and going to like fire halls or you know, just you know, going to see P tank shows. So I, I sorry, it's cl- it's close to my heart. So I always have to ask. No, yeah. absolutely, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah, I I have a buddy of mine, Lake and Dave, and. He will regale you about how he grew up watching a bale play with Brian as a singer in some sort of garage. And, mm. and I'm like, I love you, buddy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have. Like, um, lucky you. I did, I'm not. You're slightly older than I am. But I did not get to experience that. I guarantee you they would never let it see the light of day. But it, being the collector and kind of the the guy that I don't. I've always been the collector. Right. And so I have. I had to buy recently a cassette tape player. Like I had to find something where I could play cassette tapes on. I have two live avail recordings, soundboard recordings. One of them is with Brian singing. And another one is from Twisters before, let's see, Tim was still playing drums, but they had a singer, I think his name was Dave, for about eight months, maybe a year when they first moved to Richmond. Before so you know that would be to awesome to put out on vinyl by some label that only does live vinyl records. <laughs> yeah, it would. Be. I'm just saying. But again, I, you know. I guarantee you they wouldn't let it see the light of day. Right. And anybody who wants to hear Brian's avail stuff, you can go on Bandcamp, his Bandcamp page. He's got all his his avail stuff in like one long album on there that anybody yeah, can d- download for free. I have the really one cool. seven inch that he sang on. That I have the one seven inch he sang on. So I have that one. He also wrote a book. He wrote a book too. He wrote a book. I read it. It was a great book. It is. I it is a great book. And Ruined by Design broke up, which is sad. It is sad. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not in, I'm not even there anymore. And I'm still I'm so fully aware <laughs> right. of everything that's happening in that area. No, what it's because their their guitarist was from here in Fredericksburg. And uh, I'm real good friends with their guitarist. He actually, after all the punk venues in Fredericksburg have kind of died, um, he's keeping it alive here with basement shows. Yeah, we were supposed to play Fredericksburg on our tour in the uh, the rec center or something like that. Yeah. Like it's shut down. Yeah, it shut it's down. Then the next venue we had like burned down a day or two later, but we played a great show in Rhode Island. So it's okay. Well, I, I can so. officially give some information on a venue that is going to be here. So what the rec okay. center was, was bought by somebody. Um, I'm not exactly sure who the guy's name is, but... Um, it is going to be turned into something like what the pie shop is in DC. Okay. Um, cool. So it's going to have a really nice sound system. The guy who's in charge of the sound there is the same dude who does all the sound at 930 Club and Anthem up in DC. Okay. Cool. Um, so it's going to have really good sound and they are going to be all music friendly. And so, no, awesome. so it should be a, a pretty cool spot 
for shows. I don't know if it's going to be like the hole in the wall, dingy place that a lot of the punk rockers in this town yeah. want. Yeah. That was another club in Richmond, the hole in the wall. I used to play that place all the time too. Oh, yeah. That place was great. Sorry. I'm looking for some of these cassette tapes now. <laughs> oh, I, I want that stuff you know i can just put it out not on my label and just press it on vinyl and do it like super like my, my album covers already look like bootlegs anyway so <laughs> i've got them all in a box somewhere over here i don't know what i do oh, you're, yeah. you're just making me too excited rob stop it yeah rob, um, do you have a most memorable show i know that's probably a really really tough question for you because you've probably played like so many but do, if when i ask you if you have a most memorable show that's something like pop up yeah, I, well, I think the there's a there's a handful um, doing so. There's two. Okay. Two. One one would be the um, Inquisition reunion shows we did in 2007. We did two nights here in Richmond. They were awesome. That was another thing where we were just like, no one remembers who we are. We'll just get together and play play with our you know for our friends. And uh, the promoter was like, no, I think this is going to be something we should we should have a second night on hold and we were like you're crazy you know and um <laughs> and tickets sold out in like 35 minutes or something which was nice. like we were like what the fuck and so we opened up the second night and we did two nights and that was that was amazing um we randomly talk about like oh maybe we'll do something again i keep trying to talk the guys into let's get together and just practice in a space and see if we can write something new what would it sound like 20 years you know 30 years later mm -hmm. and it's been a long fucking time um but mark the guitar player in inquisition he's uh he's been he works in the film industry he's like ryan gosling's stylist now so he's oh, wow. his, his entire schedule is not up to him at this right. point so it's, it's been really hard but the other show would be we did a tour with um this would have been probably 98. We did a tour with Less Than Jake and All. And Milo at the time was living in Madison, Wisconsin, I believe it was. And we stopped through there. And for a couple of days before, we were like, I wonder if Milo is going to show up. I wonder if Milo is going to show up. And like the day before, it was like, hey, Milo might show up tomorrow. And um, that show, that one show. So he showed up and um, All did their set. Then Milo comes out and they did a Descendants like a set three songs and then they they all switched instruments and did a black flag set oh wow it was, awesome. it was fucking awesome and then less than jake went on and they were just like you know what are we supposed to do now what are we gonna do now but that was that was the best you know like i mean we were all just super stoked and excited russ our drummer he's like he's been a long time descendants fan so that whole tour like we were just kind of you know, in awe of, of these like guys who we looked up to for so long, but um, Milo came out and all this, like, we're all on the stage, like singing songs in the mic, you know, backing them up and stuff. And it was just super fun. That was like one of the most memorable, I think tours even we learned so much, like less than Jake was so good to us, especially in the early days um, when we were putting out records with Fuel by Ramen, we, we learned so much from them. We toured with them for probably a year and a half, almost two years. Oh wow! But that one tour specifically um, between them and all, um, I mean, Bill and Stefan and just the crew, like they were so good to us. And we learned so much about from both of those bands about like not only how to put on a good show, but how to treat the bands that are on tour with you. You know, mm -hmm. we heard and I won't share too much detail, just not to speak badly of some of these yeah. other bands that I'm also a huge fan of. But um, we heard horror stories of like 
no, this band, this band treated us so poorly. We weren't allowed to be in the, in the dressing room or in the hallway when they were walking from the dressing room to the stage and we Jeez. couldn't have our equipment within like three feet of their equipment type of things. And they're like, look, we're here to like help you guys. And you're here to play show, like help us. And mm-hmm. we're all in this together, going back to that community kind of thing. So we just learned so much from them that whole tour. And it was just amazing. But that, that one show was definitely a, a highlight, you know, like just that, just the idea of like, cause we never thought we'd play a show with the descendants much less you know yeah, yeah jumping on stage singing with them and hanging out you know and and i'll tell you something else like bill um stevenson so he's you know everyone knows who bill is i'm assuming like mm-hmm. you know, drummer extraordinaire he um one of the coolest moments i ever had that i was thinking about putting out like writing an acoustic record and you know kind of before that was the norm um and right after that tour, I had reached out to Bill and I was like, Hey man, can I, can I cover long distance? Like, but I want to do it like James Taylor, but I can't sing that well. So, but I want to slow it down and like pick it on a guitar and, and whatever. And he's like, yeah, man, that'd be cool, but you got to play it right. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? How much? Like, okay. He's like, go. And we're on the phone, mind you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, go grab your guitar. And, and I was like, okay. And he's, so he basically taught me how to play the song over the phone. I didn't realize at the time he had written the song. But the dude has such an amazing ear that he was like, hey, man, your G-string is a little sharp. Can you tune that thing for me? And yeah, I was crazy. Like, totally blown away, <laughs> you know. And here I am getting a guitar lesson by one of the best drummers in the world, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he wrote so many of their songs from what yeah, I understand. Yeah. So yeah. he's like Charlie Bedante and Anthrax who writes all their songs. I'm a drummer. I don't, I don't write shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Stevenson might be just one of the best musicians in the world, period. Yeah, That's like those, those guys, all of those guys, like they all I think write pretty equally and bring bring songs to to the records and to the band but um but yeah they're just extraordinary I remember talking with Stefan and him telling me stories of just like yeah man there was this whole like couple years where I just wanted to invent chords and he's like you know this song he would play and I forget what it would be but he's like yeah the third chord in this progression is something I just made up and it, it shouldn't work but it does you know (laughs) invent chords and i was just like man that's on such another level i can hardly yeah they went went for all yeah i can i can hardly and you're making shit up there you go (laughs) right exactly hell yeah i always told my students go for all they're like what does that mean i was like all well how much is that i was like all (laughs) i don't understand the question i was like all means quality not quantity it's all right I literally had a stamp that said all and know all that I'd put on my students' papers. <laughs> I might be the worst teacher ever. <laughs> or the best. The best. Or the yeah, best. Yeah. Or the best. <laughs> what are you guys currently spinning right now? Like if you were to hop in your car or something, what are you listening to? You can go first. Uh, well, I just took my kid to Weird Al Yankovic, so we were spinning that <laughs> nice. all day yesterday. There's a movie so. coming out. Yeah. Oh, I know. We're stoked on it. You know what the crazy thing is? She was so excited and I actually wasn't sure how she would enjoy it once I realized that it was all deep cuts. He did none of his parody songs. And he started like, look, it's in the name of the tour. I've said it in interviews. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't pay attention to any of that. Um, but my, my, my daughter, she's 11 years old. She still absolutely loved it. Nice. So um other than that i was up uh, seeing tsunami bomb last weekend so i was uh i was grooving to some of their new stuff because i was mostly familiar with the earlier stuff that they had done but i always like to know what i'm gonna go see so i always put that shit on and spin it because i enjoy the show more when i have some context cool it's good to see that band back 
Yeah, they were really good. It, like the best part was how much fun they were having on stage. Like it literally looked like they were having the time of their life. Like they were just hanging out with their best friends, chilling. And I was like, that's love, fun. That's love awesome. bands. They're just band. up there having fun with each other, playing, being goofy. They're not putting on a front of it. We're tough ass are rockers. It's like, no, we're just up here having fun. And it, it was great to see it. It was so much fun. I said fun like many times. There. Awesome. <laughs> Let's see. What about, I think uh, I'm kind of stuck in my ways, man. I, I, I don't really, I wish I, I wish I wasn't like, I wish I would find some new music and new bands, but I think more recently, like um, I'm still just listening to my friends, you know, like I've been listening to Dave Haas a lot again lately. Like he's been on heavy rotation. Austin Lucas just was here last night. He's been on heavy rotation lately. Um, what else have I been listening to? I randomly go through phases where I just, I just find random bands or pull random bands out that like, I haven't really thought about in a long time mm -hmm. Tilt. I was listening to a lot of Tilt. Oh, I love Tilt. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Discount. I was listening. I was oh. playing a bunch of Discount earlier. Discount. Um, I think it also difference is like if I'm listening to my car driving, I'm on my Spotify mm -hmm. versus if I'm pulling an album out, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm pulling an album out, that's like the last vinyl album I had was one that's this band from Asheville called Busy Weather that I saw open for Off with Their Heads, mm -hmm. and they were absolutely fabulous. I super enjoyed them on Spotify. I hate to say it, I'm one of those guys that like will put it on my liked songs of 7,000 and I will hit shuffle and see what comes around. Yeah. yeah. And skip and go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, All that's right. kind of, that's kind of the beauty of the relationship between digital music and those of us that, you know, buy or collect vinyl is yeah. you still have the love of at least getting, you know, that record granted, you don't really get to get out and go find it anymore. You just find it on the internet, which is boring and lame, but, <laughs> but you get it done and you and you purchase it which is what the important part is so i to, i think both parties involved to be honest and uh um and then when you're on the go you can listen to digital so it allows you to you know have that vinyl connection that was gone for a while kind of yeah. i'm i'm a i've all i always have been i'm a huge vinyl collector i think i've got like five thousand records in, in my room but i i think maybe I, maybe i'm a standout but i still I will go to the record store to see if I can find the record in a store before I will order it somewhere. That's and even when I, even when I order it somewhere, I'm typically ordering it from like some of my favorite record stores in the country. Like I'll only order from like one, two, three, four, go out in, out in Oakland or, you know, some other, other local shops in various cities that were always a place that I would stop when we were on tour, uh, you know, versus like ordering from like Amazon or something, or I'll order directly from a band, you know? Yeah, uh, that way I can still yeah. at least feel good about like contributing or, or giving back to the bands that I like giving to them directly. Yeah. Um, but I do. If it's, I, if I love it's a recent album. Bins. I love digging through record bins in the store. The thrill of the hunt. Yeah, love it yeah. too. Uh, we don't even have a record fucking store here anymore. Like, if I want to find a record, I have to either drive all the way to Richmond or go like. Yeah, because Richmond's got like five yeah. really awesome yeah. record stores now. Yes, you know? yes, they do. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll go to Park Avenue uh, CDs, which is a record store in Orlando, but I'll mostly just go to their use section. I'll just flip through and they update it like almost every other day. Yeah. And I'll go there like once a week and I'm like, all right, cool. Here's a new Motorhead record. I was like, cool. Yeah. Oh, here's the tubes. Okay. I don't have that tubes record. I'm going to pick that up. Yeah. And I'm like, I could look at the new, at the, at their more, you know, their uh, recent releases, 
but they tend to just be pricier. And if it's like an actual new release from me, like Rob said, I'd rather just buy it directly from the band itself. Um, not that I don't want to support my local record store, but you know, I have there's a monetary budget system. And then I hate to say it, but if it's something's like really, I want to get an old album that I don't have, I'll go on Discogs, unfortunately, and yeah. I will, uh, you know, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna like that's where I buy all the BMLs that I uh, that I share mm-hmm. and I give away in raffles. I go to Discogs and I find them. The hardest one was Sloppy Seconds. That shit was impossible to find. Yeah. <laughs> BML number five, slap a I literally had to have a friend of mine who gave it to me as a favor. So, <laughs> but yeah, Discogs is cool, man. Especially if you're a collector, because yeah. that's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you're you're not, there's good, there's records that exist out there that you're not gonna fucking find anywhere except Discogs yep. at this point. Yeah. I discovered it during the pandemic, and I focused mostly on finding and buying like seven inches of local old like DC bands that don't aren't on Spotify. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy all the albums that are like are not available. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna buy all these seven inches at Jonas this Christmas attic seven inch. I'm gonna nice. get this and right. Awesome. It's <laughs> like, oh, Man. I'm gonna get the spark split seven inch and this is so nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask you guys these three questions that we asked everybody. Um, kind of random, but uh if you guys if you were on death row, what would your final meal be? Yeah, I would have Szechuan. Um I it, I don't know the exact phrase, but it's some sort of boiled fish fillet and hot Szechuan sauce with peppercorns <laughs> that is like super fragrant. It makes your face burn and sweat. And I always ask them to make it hotter than it's supposed to be. And they look at me and I'm like, no, seriously, do that. And then three beers to wash it down. You know what? Nice. Boiled fish is underrated. It might be poached. <laughs> I don't know, but it's underrated. It's good. It's it's amazing. It's like my most favorite dish ever. <laughs> oh, man. Um I would, I don't remember, uh, right before the pandemic, uh, I went with my family to New York City and we we found, I love sushi, and we found a sushi place, I, I couldn't even think of what it's called, but it's it's the type of place where you walk in and instead of, instead of ordering off the menu, it's just like a fixed cost and they bring out whatever the, the oh, chef nice. or whatever a sushi, sushi chef, I guess. Yeah. That's right. And um, man, it was some of the most amazing stuff I've ever had in my life. And that's awesome. I would, I would have to remember the name of the place, but I would, yeah, I would have something from there. Very cool. I was gonna say, no, sushi is great. Good sushi, man. Well, like yeah. amazing sushi is like, yeah. is like that's life fish for both of us. Yeah, we both went with the fish. Yeah. Oh, I had fish. We shouldn't have done that. Have you ever seen Airplane? I feel bad now. We've never watched Airplane. We should not have gone with the fish. <laughs> it was a venue in Baltimore called the Sushi Cafe. Oh yes, I Remember used to play that? that place all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had the they had the holes in the wall, and they would put a, yep. a circle around it. So if you made a new hole, they could charge your ass, and you had to bring your own PA and carry it up the flight oh, of yeah. stairs. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, I I did many a show. Yeah, we there. played there a couple of times. That's funny. What uh, band were you in? Uh, Shorty. We were like a three piece pop punk band. Holy hell! You were in the same band with my wife's guitarist, Sean. Yeah. So Sean was in Die Cheater, Die with My Wife. I was in the Overprivileged, and I was in the Twats with her. Okay, yeah, Sean, 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 and I are in that band, band called The Elements right now. Yeah, yeah, I know The Elements with Alex, who yeah, went yeah. to school with my wife, who recorded some of the Twat stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and plays Sean is them. in Sean's in Luxury Teeth that we just played yep. with on tour. Yeah, yeah, he's. How the, have we not met? That's we probably have. You probably have. I'm we sure we have. have. Yeah, we had to have. But yeah, okay. I've been playing with every band I've ever been in. I've been in with Sean. Yeah, you literally have that shorty uh, song where the first the first one they see was like the zipper. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow, this is crazy. Yeah, it's so 14 years old, <laughs> but I love it. You're the one person other than the members of Shorty that remembers a Shorty song. That's, that's cool. No, I know, I know Shorty. That's really cool. That's how old I am. <laughs> Um, all right. Second question is now like what one of the things they do, it's science that you could take your ashes and form it into a vinyl record of your choice. So if you were to be cremated, not to be morbid, but if you were to eternalize your record, your ashes and a record of your choice, and it has to be one that exists, um, which would you pick? And I was so many choices. That's a real thing. You can do that. Yeah, yes, yeah. You, you, can press, you can press your ashes into it and make it a vinyl record. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm seriously considering doing this for real. <laughs> so many choices went through my head. Right. I had like, well, I could do the Circle Jerks King, my first punk record. And I was like, well, then I thought, like, well, I could do a Gigi Allen record because Gigi Allen would appreciate oh, yeah. that, right? Gigi Allen find that and like, or I could put. One of the records my wife sang and played guitar on. That way, like we're together even in death. Her voice goes over my dead body. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that you said it, if you don't choose that, she's gonna be. Uh -huh. I think that's your answer. Yep. <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah. So that's it. I'll do die truly to die down with the pom poms up with the skirts. Nice. <laughs> Good, answer. What a, Good answer. What a hard question to answer. Um, it changes on a daily basis. Yeah, it's certainly. Yeah. I think um, I think I might pick one of my own records and do that. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, That'd I don't know. An awesome collector's item. You're not the first person <laughs> yeah. to 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 say that answer. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it might be one of my. Own. Should be your live acoustic record. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That would be the one. That Bring would be us. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Third question: Who is on your Mount Rushmore of punk rock? And you get five, so you get a, a crazy horse. So you get five people. And yeah, people, not bands. Okay. Oh, I heard you. <laughs> I understood people. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it, it'd be hard-pressed not to put, like, Ian McKay up there for me. Um, just the whole way Discord was run, Fugazi, Punk, um, Myra thought it just meant so much to me. Uh, Jello, probably because of the way he brought politics to my world. Greg Graffin, the same thing, you know, the way he, he did that as well. Um, I got to get three more. I got to get two more out of yeah. this. Right. Yep. All right. It's going to be a little harder next. I'm like, getting like, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking a little bit more deeply. Right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to put Ken stacks up there from the suspects. who was also, he was also in scream because he's just one of those greatest drummers. I've, um, ever seen and i'm gonna go through uh tim barry up there as well because mm -hmm. i i not only um love avail with all my heart and soul and young pioneers but also the tim barry uh acoustic stuff mm -hmm. and um you know getting to see them when they did the reunion show in richmond was one of the highlights of my life i actually gave out my credit card number to 25 sixth grade kids I put it on the board so that we could all buy tickets on their phones. I had them all get their phones out so we could all buy a ticket. <laughs> You're the hero. Um, we none, need. Of, <laughs> none, none of us, none of us got a ticket. My buddy Jay got the tickets, but I literally like, as a class, I know we're supposed to start class now, but in five minutes, tickets are going on sale for a veil. So there's my credit card number. Yeah. Everyone and put it into your phone. <laughs> this is the website. I'm showing, and I'm, I'm literally having all my students like buy, try and buy me a veil ticket. Again, best teacher ever. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever yeah. get random charges for other stuff after that? No, okay. no. 
I was like, I track things because I will find yeah, you. Yeah, he's a good teacher. That's right. <laughs> he yeah. taught them. Wouldn't do that to me. But teacher does that. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That <laughs> is. I think my five are going to be maybe more traditional or more typical, like default. But uh, Mike Ness, Milo, Joan Jett, Joey Ramone, Joe Strummer. Lots of Joes. Yeah. I think, Joe. I think you're only the second person to say Joan Jett. Yeah, I think we've had it one other time. Yeah, maybe. that's a great choice, though. Because fun local. Yeah. Yeah. Just from Bowie, Maryland, so. Wow. Is she really calling me out yeah. for having like mostly straight yeah. white cisgender males? Huh? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. she's the next right. town over from me. I'm in Crofton. She's she was from Bowie. I didn't know that. Crofton. The schismatics were from Crofton. Yeah, schismatics. I know all of them. I drum. I drum for them for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Scott Ashland. How was it playing with Scott? Not. Uh, um, <laughs> you don't have to be honest. <laughs> well, that's that's it right there, right? <laughs> I mean, I love Scott. He's a character, for sure. He is um awesome dude that's crazy we need to talk uh offline yes we do um awesome um all right what do you guys have coming up in the next i mean besides the record that you guys are doing together i have three releases coming out i have a release through a band called curtains who had a one of the members was in Oh my gosh, there's a band that everyone's supposed to know who they are, but I forget already. So I guess it's not that important. And uh, Swift Knuckle Solution, it's a split seven inch. I have uh, the Goons live album coming out. And I have Some Kind of Nightmare who are tour demons. Mm. Uh, they never stop touring. I have their album coming out. So I have those three albums coming out nice. between now and mid-December. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, yeah, we don't have, we're kind of wrapping up for the year. You know, I said, like I said, we're going, going down to Fest. Uh, so we'll be doing that in two weeks. Um, and then next year, who knows? I'm actually about to have a knee replacement surgery. So I'll, I'll, be, okay. kind of, I'll, be, I'll be kind of down for a few months probably. But um, who, who, yeah, no real plans going into next year yet. Haven't, haven't quite figured that out yet. All right. And for the DC kids, I should have a Rise to Five, Rise to Five 7 inch coming out in a couple of months too. So awesome. if you all know Rise to Buy up there in DC. Cool. Where can people find you guys online? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. TikTok, nice. I have a website, dcxpclive.com. We don't actually say the X. It's supposed to be like a yeah, silent yeah. period. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's confusing. My partner's from Port Charlotte, but I'm from DC. That's the whole point of okay, it. Okay, gotcha. I don't think people get that often. Cool. Yeah, same for us. I, you know, we we are not... I hate Facebook. We're not very active on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Um, definitely active on Instagram. Um, and then all the streaming services, you know, cool. and the band camps and such. So um, awesome. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, this was fun. Awesome. Thank you all very much. I had a blast. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Before cool. before you go, I have to comment on your Star Wars stuff. Oh, go oh for yeah. It. <laughs> no, just, just to, to say that it's there because I love it. And you all <laughs> flame troopers helmet. I don't know if you um I don't know if you keep the video on these, but I'll show you this real quick. Check that guy out. Oh shit. That's Holy awesome. hell. Fuck yeah. That's bad. <laughs> amazing. Like, well done, sir. It took me like two years to make that. Do you know you know that a, an all Star Wars store just opened up in Richmond like this past weekend? No. Yeah, it's it's just Star Wars shit. Oh, I'll have to yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to go check it out. I um there's a story there, I'll tell you real quick before we go. Yeah. Um so I was alive when the 
all the the first movies came out went and saw mm-hmm. them you know as really young kids saw them like in a drive-in theater the first star wars changed my life um my grandmother oddly enough never saw a star wars film in her her life but at some point started collecting action figures when they first started came in, they first came out and so she would train me you know she was like hey you should really think about collecting these toys someday they're going to be worth money don't open them which you can't tell a four or five year old <laughs> not to open yeah. toys mm-hmm. um if you're smart you'll convince your parents to buy you two of something if you have to if you feel like you have to play with it so i've been collecting toys since since then um when i was a little kid she uh like she did all the mail away stuff and you know i've she's passed away like years ago but um so i've got a bunch of stuff from her collection and i i've got a huge like i mean huge collection i've been it was one of my things like when we were touring every day it was go to a record store find a local toy store mm-hmm. <laughs> every two weeks i was shipping boxes of stuff home you know because it didn't, didn't want to damage it um my grandfather was a big baseball fan loved the cincinnati reds and the philadelphia phillies and every year in the summer they would do like four or five games in Cincinnati, like double headers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not a huge, like I was not a baseball fan, but they would take myself and my cousin on this vacation. I think, I think we only did it twice, two summers, but my grandmother and I would break away and go to the Kenner's factory. Cause nice. if you've ever seen like the series on, I think it's Netflix, like the toys that made us or whatever, there's one mm-hmm. about yeah. the Star Wars toys in the, the Kenner offices or whatever. And, you know, it was, this is the late seventies, early eighties. And she would just knock on the door and we would walk into these places and nice. they would just let, like, you know, Oh, cool. A little old lady's coming in and wants to talk about toys. Like, awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was crazy. So, I mean, I, I've been collecting since, since then. And yeah, you can see this is, I kind of change this stuff out every once in a while, just to, yeah. like, I'm on zoom a lot for my job, but, um, and I get sick of seeing it all behind me. So I'll, That's I'll cool. change stuff around, but yeah, if there's a new Star Wars store in Richmond, I have to go check it out. I've actually, okay. I'm at a point where, because she was like, one day it's going to be retirement, you know? And so I kind yeah. of always thought like, oh, okay, cool. And I don't know if you guys remember, um, I think it was a Steven Spielberg series. I think it was called Amazing Stories. Yes. The first yep. episode was with Mark Hamill playing like a, a guy who collected toys and comics and lived in like squalor all of his life. And suddenly at the end of his life was like selling his toys and became a millionaire or something. So I always kind of thought like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's a real thing. You can do that. That's awesome. But <laughs> So do you have a lot of the old ones unopened? I'll show you another thing. My, my office here is a complete disaster, but um, let me show you this real quick. That right there is the first uh, 24. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Holy hell. Still in the boxes. Yeah. Those are worth yeah. some yeah, serious man. money. <laughs> yeah. One of these days I'm going to, I'm going to have to start getting rid of some stuff though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, cool. it'll pay off at some point. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to it awesome. that long. Yeah. Uh, whatever the story is, it just opened this past Saturday. Uh, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. I'll look it up. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, there's I'm, a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of new, like um, really cool toy stores and like comic shops opening up that are That's in awesome. Richmond. Um, there's a handful just in the last like three or four months that have opened up. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll see you there. Cause I'm heading down myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys. well, yeah, thanks. This was awesome. Yeah. Fun time. Awesome. All right. It's been a blast. Thank you all very much. Yeah. Thanks guys. Take care. All right. Later. Later.
Peace. Thanks for hanging for another week. Punkboxrocks.com. That's punkboxrox.com and merchslut.com. Go there, spend money. They're rad. Check us out on all social media outlets at Our Brains Hurt and at OurBrainsHurt.com. Follow me, Ron, on Twitter at the Caffeine Punk and Matt at Matt Alive13. We will talk to you next week. Stay safe. How do I do this shit? I can still hear you. Uh, so what, what do I have to press? Close.